Hi, everyone, and welcome to Badminton Lights Out, a feature of the Badminton Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of high-performance badminton. I'm Gronya. I'm Justine. Welcome to the pod. So in this week's episode, we want to give you guys a recap on how things have been for us. We've been back in tournament mode with our Continental Championships, Oceania Championships, and also the Thomas and Uber Cup has just wrapped up. Yeah, so today's episode, we'll be talking about what it's like to be back competing pretty much internationally again, or just competing in general. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while, right? (laughs) It's been so long. COVID and other reasons. Crazy, 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 crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So as I said, we both had the Oceania Championships. And Justine, this was your first international tournament since the pandemic hosted in Melbourne. So how did you find it? Let's do a little recap. Honestly, it was really good. It was good to finally like just play a tournament in general, to be honest, because like I also had my injury. So with the pandemic and my injury, I just haven't been able to compete even locally. So this was really, really fun and really good. And I was really happy with how my knee track post-surgery. I didn't have to think about it, which was the best thing ever. And also, it's also just super fun that we get to play different people because our countries are so small or not many people play badminton. We often play against each other, like people we know all the time. So it's been maybe around two years almost of just playing, you know, same people. So it was very different to play against people you don't usually play against. And it was fun. I think we played at a really good level with my new partner, Jack. So shout out to Jack Wang, who is also the current men's doubles Oceania champ. (laughs) So yeah, it was really good. It was so good to see you as well. Yes. Yeah. Buddies. (laughs) We were finally reunited for the first time in person in a couple of years. Yes, for sure. And Bonio was like, let's go on a quick bike ride. (laughs) Two hours later. <laughs> hey man, we both won our matches that day, so we did. <laughs> you we can't did. blame we did. me. <laughs> <laughs> we did. It was actually a very nice scenic bike ride, and yeah, it was lots of doggos, lots of Karen. <laughs> <laughs> that was very scenic by the beach, and it was good. And it was always just good to you know get the buddy going before a game. It was fun. But how about you? You've obviously had you know your international tournaments before Oceania's, but what was like competing against Oceania? And congrats, by the way, Gronya is the current or reigning, defending <laughs> Oceania. All of the above. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I won the mixed doubles with my new partner, Kenneth Chu, which was a really good win. And that in the women's doubles, unfortunately, we came runner up. So we lost the final to a pair that we beat pretty much a week prior at our Australian national championship. So a little bit disappointed with that one, but yeah, overall the tournament, pretty positive. We learned a lot from it. I think the Oceania championships and kind of local tournaments to an extent are a bit tricky because sometimes you might have like a super easy round. And then sometimes early on, you might have a hard round or it just can be hit and miss with like, you know, limited seedings and totally different levels across the draw. So you kind of have to be able to switch it on when needed and like approach your matches the right way, even if they are kind of really easy ones. But yeah, I'm really happy with the mixed doubles when we were playing um, Ollie and Anona in the final who, like it was our first time as the new partnership, me and Ken playing a high level pair and they have a lot of international experience. So it was nice to kind of have something to measure ourselves against because we haven't been able to play any international tournaments yet. Yeah. And I think we also have to mention because like you said, or like we said in the beginning, how 
not a lot of people in Oceania have been able to travel overseas or even you with your new partners, like literally nobody had points. And so the draw was wild. <laughs> you could literally be playing a final in the first round and it would be fine draw wise or technicality wise because there was just no points. <laughs> so yes, you was yes. like, hope for the best. <laughs> exactly. But no, exactly. it was good. It was good. And now that we've played our Oceania champs, it was really sad. It was a... It was a good trip for me, but it was also like a sad trip for our boys, which we will then lead on to because I'm going to ask you about your Uber Cup. But yeah, so it would have been so cool to see New Zealand and Australia compete in the Uber and Thomas Cup. But unfortunately, the Rona, (laughs) the Rona was caught by our boys. (laughs) Yeah. So because there wasn't kind of able to be the team championships and the playoffs for Thomas and Uber Cup, to progress through to the finals that have just been held in Bangkok, Thailand. It meant that they used the world rankings of the boys and girls from Australia, New Zealand, and, you know, like Tahiti, Fiji, et cetera. And so that meant the New Zealand boys qualified for the Thomas Cup and the Australian girls qualified for the Uber Cup. But as Justine mentioned, unfortunately, how many boys in the end? Maybe like three out of eight boys or so caught coronavirus in Melbourne during Oceania Championships. So a couple of them finished the tournament and then tested positive for their when they were kind of meant to get their next test to go on to Bangkok. So super unfortunate for them, especially like, of course, they've been looking forward to it. I don't know when the last time New Zealand played Thomas Cup was, but yeah, so many years without international tournaments and to play at like the highest level, the world team championships, really unfortunate. Uh, thing there for New Zealand. They didn't want to obviously get over there with players that were testing negative and then test positive over there and then have to do 10 days quarantine, which was a Thai government's requirement. And I know a couple of players or team officials and stuff did test positive over there. So wasn't a fun time for them. <laughs> well, no, is it true that if you do test positive in Thailand, you go straight to the hospital? No. So you just do hotel quarantine. Oh. But I think it's in like a official kind of designated hotel quarantine obviously depending on your symptoms how did it work in thailand if you did test positive like what if you had a roommate who wasn't positive but you were like do you both you and your roommate have to quarantine or do you like get sent out somewhere else Mm, i don't know exactly but i think it was just if you tested positive then you had to go quarantine so i know some canadians tested positive maybe koreans yeah i don't know i can't remember exactly Speaking of Koreans, they did so good in Uber. Oh my goodness. Did you watch that final? That was mad, mad. Yeah, yeah, insane. So Korea won the Uber Cup. What was the final? The final was three love against Thailand. No, China. China. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I need to bring up these (laughs) results. I repeat that. We actually watched it. (laughs) I can't remember this. There was too many playoffs you know yeah okay so korea played off against china in the final and won a three love surprising a lot of people yeah i think yeah it was great they had a close wait was it three love or was it three two i think it was three two no it is three love wasn't it (laughs) yeah let me bring this up (laughs) we're so bad i just know that the games were intense (laughs) it's three two Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So Korea won the Uber Cup. They beat China in the final, winning 3 2 in obviously going down to the last 
Tie, which was the women's number three singles. And in their semifinal, they defeated Japan three love, which was a little bit of an upset. I guess that they did it in three love straight. Yeah. You got them all confused because, yeah, because I remember when I was watching it, it was intense because, what was it? China was up 2-1 and then the women's double was was just crazy. And the New Zealand time, it was like 10.30 or something. And usually I'm in bed by then, but then and then it's women's doubles as well. Like, come on, let's be real. Not a lot of people actually watch women's doubles, but this one, I was hooked, yo. I was like, nah, like who's going to win this? And it was crazy because it was a scratch pair, I think, because they don't usually play together, right? In the international circuit. The Korean pair or the China? Yeah, the Korean pair and the women's doubles. No, I think that's Kim and Kong, I think. She's a young one. She's a different one. It's a different Which Kim. one's different? Oh, different Kim. Yeah. Okay. There's a, there's a lot of Kims yeah. in the current thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Different Kim. And it was wild. And then Huang Dongping, who usually plays mixed, right? But she's still a really good doubles player. It was just so intense. It was, it really got me hooked. And then women's singles, man, 28, 26, an hour and 28 minutes. Could you play singles again, Grant? <laughs> I can play it. I just, it definitely wouldn't last an hour and a half. And <laughs> I don't know about the quality of it. You're like, please hit to box. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, come on. <laughs> I'll play box if you play box. <laughs> Make a deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You told me beforehand, like we had a catch up yesterday and you were telling me that you were watching this quite closely, like just Uber and Thomas in general, which game, I'm going to put you on the spot. Which game was your favorite to watch or just got you hooked? We, a lot of the guys' matches were next to our court when we were playing. So we saw the, like, that new young Thai men's doubles pair who were just, the diving you know, pair. The yeah, the diving pair with, like, the blonde hair dye. We watched them against Hendra and Asan, and they were having, like, crazy setting and there were challenges and they were diving everywhere and it was super intense. So I enjoyed that. Australia had some tough matches, but I enjoyed seeing Wendy, our number one singles girl, play against Tatsu Ying, play against... She played against Marin. So Marin just played against the tie against us. So it was interesting to see her come back. She definitely wasn't moving how she used to. But yeah, it was good to see her back in action. And then also against Chen Yufei from China. So they were the reigning Olympic gold medalist. And she had a really close first set against her. So yeah, it was good to see those girls. Go Wendy, go Oceania, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to see how Marin played as well in the European. I didn't get to watch the European Championships because she obviously just won it. Do you reckon like she would have been tired from that? Because it wasn't that far. Like it wasn't, she didn't really have much time to recover to play like high level games again, right? And after yeah. such crazy rehab. Yeah. So I arrived a little bit later in Thailand and then that she didn't play against Spain's Thai against Taipei or China. So she only played against Australia, I guess knowing it might be a little bit easier. And then I don't know if she was entered in this Thailand Open, but she's not playing it now. So yeah, maybe she had some issues and she didn't look like she was moving great against Wendy, a bit like hesitant to push off and yeah, not going into any big lunges and stuff as much. Did you enjoy being back in like the world platform again and just being in the environment? There were audience, right? There's spectators and stuff. Yeah, I think it was 50 or 75% capacity. 
but yeah, it was great having, you know, crowds back and just being around like all the best in the world again is super inspiring and seeing, you know, just reinforcing like the level that we need to try train to and aspire to is really motivating. I always find because when you get trained in a show for too long, you just get stuck in the habit of being like, oh yeah, this is good quality. And that's, that's pretty hard. And then you go, you go and hit against them or see them and you're like, holy shit. It's <laughs> like next level. I forgot that there were like five more levels above. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So true. So overall, if you could describe your Uber experience, like being back in the Uber experience in three words, how would you describe it? Teamwork, team bonding. I don't know. <laughs> the first team event in a while. So something to do with the team and challenging. We definitely had tough matches and it was, yeah, very challenging on court. And the drift was a bit tough. Like one end was a lot faster and there was sideways drift as well. Oh, so, sideways drift. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So like now that Uber is over, what's your next plan or your next venture? Um, so the main preparation now is for the Commonwealth Games at the end of July. So currently we have a Danish coach, ex-player who's just retired, Nicholas Noor from Denmark. So he's, I think, the reigning mixed doubles national champion in Denmark. So he's here for a few months leading up to the Commonwealth Games, helping us with preparation there. So we actually have a crazy amount of on-court sessions now. Uh, my body is hating me a little bit mm -hmm. from just going from tournament mode where you play like one match a day and train a little bit and doing sharp, fast stuff to now just getting like four hours on court and doing my gym and bike just back into it. Yeah. So it's been pretty full on. Yeah. And we'll just backtrack a bit. How would you explain Commonwealth Games? So because it is still an international tournament, but not everyone around the world can actually play it. So explain to the pods, <laughs> the potties, what Commonwealth yeah. is. So the Commonwealth Games is a multi-sport event. So I don't know how many sports there it's are kind exactly. It's like Olympics, but for the crown. Just the Commonwealth. Yeah, just the crown. So just for the Commonwealth countries. So the powerhouses within the badminton are Malaysia, India, England, Canada, Singapore, Scotland, Australia, New Zealand, those kind of countries. And it doesn't contribute to BWF world ranking at all. But yeah, it's a great tournament to have all the sports there and have that like the Olympic experience. And it's also a bit different in that it goes for two weeks. And the first week is a team event in Suderman Cup format. So just one of each event. So five matches. And then the second week is individuals. And it's also interesting because every team is capped at five boys and five girls. So it means that they're limited with how many people they can send and like how many people complete each discipline. Yeah. So initially this Com Games was actually meant to be four and four. So that would be super limiting because that's pretty much like Technically, it could just be one singles player, one doubles pair, one mixed That's doubles. Insane. Imagine, person. imagine if you went, and then you would have to play singles just in case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But even as it is, it's pretty limiting. So sometimes there's a few scratched pairs, like they might take two singles players and they'll play the doubles, or you know, a singles player might play mixed doubles, or yeah. So they can be like random scratch pairs throughout the tournament. That's crazy, and obviously the reason why it's not within the BWF world ranking points is because there it's limited, it's exclusive to certain countries. So it's not fair if these would count to points and yeah, the others won't get the opportunity. But it's so sad because New Zealand often misses out on this because of our New Zealand Olympic Committee. But, you know, every other country doesn't need to qualify for this. But New Zealand, we have to go through Olympic Committee, which makes us miss out on good games against countries like Malaysia, India, England, Canada, Singapore, Scotland, which by the way, India 
can we please just go back to India? Like in Thomas Cup, bro. <laughs> Did you watch that? Yeah, I watched some of it. So we skipped over that a little bit. But so India made history winning their first ever Thomas Cup. Yeah. And they did it in style, winning three love against Indonesia. Did you watch the men's doubles? Um, I was driving and I had it like up on my, I had it up on the, on the phone holder and I glanced at it at, I think it was the second set and they were losing. So Indonesia won the first set and India was losing the second set. And then I arrived at my destination, checked it later. And I was like, what? India came back, won the second set and then won the third set. So I was like, so shocked. When I was watching, I was watching the second, I think it was the second set. Yeah. The second set, they were up. What's the name? Indonesia was up. I think it was 1914 and they lost insane. And it was, it was actually really interesting to watch Hassan and Gideon play together because I would, well, I think Sanjay. they're both front Sanjay. court players. I mean, yeah, sorry, sorry, Sanjay. Yeah. They're both front court players. And uh, so Hassan's a bit more of a back court player. Oh, I really? Think. Oh, sorry. Okay. Because so he's I don't know the, why I he was more mobile one out of him and Hendra. <laughs> But it was, I was mentioned before, I was so crazy seeing Asan smash. Like, yo, that boy, he commits everything to that smash. Like, his whole shoulder, his whole body throws everything in it. Like, oh he's so old. So it's so impressive that he's obviously fit enough to play at such a high level. Not so old, but, you know, in badminton terms, he's quite very experienced. Let's just say that. <laughs> if anyone was going to rewatch a game, that would be a game to rewatch because it. Yeah. Exactly. And that would have changed everything. So they had match points, Indonesia, which meant it would have been one all. Say Shrikant still won. Then Indonesia would most likely win the second men's double. So it would have come down to the third singles. But props to the Indian men's doubles who clinched it, got the second score on the board for India, and then Shrikant sealed it 23-21. I love how they celebrated. They were just full-on dancing. Like <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> They're loving it. It was so good. <laughs> And the eyes, you know, when they were like pointing, it was like, yeah, we won. <laughs> yeah. But it's awesome for India. And, you know, they have such a huge population. And the fact that badminton is just getting bigger and bigger there is great for the sport. They obviously have so many talented players coming through that it's just going to catapult it to being even more popular throughout India and hopefully the world. And, okay, speaking of like talent coming through, is because there just hasn't been that many international tournaments this Uber and Thomas, there were so many pairs that I've never seen or like names I've never seen before. And they were just blowing my mind. I was like, who are these people? And they're so good. It's so fun to watch. And because there's so many new pairs, there's so many different play styles that like you can see. So yeah. it's really fun. And the great example would obviously be probably all of the teams, but Indonesia's Uber Cup team. That was just all new names to me, honestly. Yeah, yeah. To me yeah. as well. Yeah. So it'll be interesting, you know, once... So the BWF have created a schedule, I guess, to get the world ranking list mm. back to live. So right now it's, what, nearly two years of tournament points are added up now for people's rankings. So gradually from August, they're going to get rid of four weeks of the pre... Like the oldest tournaments at a time. So by January next year, the world ranking will reflect just the past year. So that should hopefully give players, up and coming players, an opportunity to then be able to qualify for some of these bigger tournaments and, you know, get the points more on an even basis. So it'll be great to see all these players being able to compete against 
all the names that we know so far. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy because with the whole points being frozen, like it's since 2019. <laughs> and then everyone's records, there's like 37 tournaments being played. It's something <laughs> <It's> wild. <laughs> there's people that have like retired for two years and they, they're like still 30 in the world or something and could just enter like all England or whatever if they yeah. wanted to and they haven't touched a racket. It's crazy. Yeah, but it's good that they're now doing something about it. So it'll be fun to see how things go. Yeah. Yeah. So what is next for you? So we mentioned that New Zealand is trying to, I think, just qualify a mixed doubles pair now for the Commonwealth Games through the tough system that New Zealand Olympic Committee have as a qualification requirement. Yeah. So oftentimes the New Zealand Olympic Committee, they usually stop us from playing into these invitational tournaments because they only send players who are in the top 16. Or in this in the Commonwealth, it will be have to be like top eight, I think. Top six, I think, for us. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And with Malaysia, India, it's still pretty strong. And yeah. like with us being a small country, it's really hard for us to qualify. But I actually think that our mixed pair, Oliver Layden Davis and the Nolan Pack, have a good chance with going. So we don't know yet, but hopefully they get to go. Cause I think once someone plays, hopefully they'll open doors for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What about you? Do you know, are you playing individuals or is it just teams that you're going to be playing in? Or is it both? Yeah, both. Yeah. yeah. So we're playing team event and individuals. So yeah, a little bit interesting for me in that the mixed partner that I won Oceania Championships with, he doesn't actually have his Australian citizenship yet. So he's not part of the Commonwealth Games team. So I don't know who I'll be playing mixed doubles with yet, but hopefully we'll have some time to prepare that with the training leading up to it and feel a bit more confident by that stage. Similarly, we might be mixing up the women's doubles combinations. So we'll have to figure that out with the coaches and then prepare. <laughs> also. Don't say too much. Otherwise, you'll be exposing Australia's plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you did mention women's singles. So I'll keep that one up my sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> like, when was the last time you played? It was like bringing back your racket. I'm back, guys. Singles. <laughs> Look, here's my out. short grip racket. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll be so confused they'll be like why are you playing back to me <laughs> yeah no it's been a good catch-up actually it was really really good to see you in person we always see each other and you know <laughs> the call so i think this was really good to have a pod to just catch up on you know how we are in life and how with badminton and it's so so good to see badminton not being cancelled <laughs> i know right so, i know there was a time like when you were traveling internationally and you genuinely didn't know whether it was going to get canceled or not. And you're just like, I'm going to go there hoping that it's going to go through. And if it gets canceled, I'll just train. But like, <laughs> yeah, up, you know, so yeah, it's really good. It's happening now. Have you got COVID yet? No, I still have not got COVID as far Same. as I'm aware. We're avoiding the plague. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everyone's very surprised by that. Yeah, you literally went to like, a rave. Oh, no. <laughs> rave. <laughs> yeah, I've been everywhere. I've been like, my boyfriend's had it, my best friend's had it, and I've been with them like the day before, but no, stayed negative, negative vibes only. Ne Speaking of, I need to stay negative for another week because then I'm coming to New Zealand. So I'm going to get to hang out with you again. Yeah. We should really record a podcast where we're next to each other. <laughs> Remember we had this discussion. We were like, how do we record it in person? <laughs> We've never done this. How do we? How yeah. do, like what? We were like we were both in Melbourne together, and we're like, how do we plan? Should we just go like 
We'll go to our own rooms. We'll plan it there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see our face. <laughs> we cannot hear each other in real life. Yeah. Well. Oh, there. We don't have our. Oh, we do have our outro written down here. Yeah. Let's wrap it. Let's drop it. All right. Thank you for listening to Bevington Lights Out by the Bevington Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. Don't forget to like, comment, and share this episode available on all platforms. Follow us on Instagram. The handle is The Badminton Podcast. No spaces and Badminton Lights Out. No spaces. Stay tuned for our next episode. Wow.